Welcome to AFT in Action, a podcast for members of AFT Connecticut-affiliated local unions. We're approximately 30,000 working people in the public and private sectors, teachers and school support staff, nurses and healthcare workers, higher education faculty and public employees in nearly 90 unions across the state. The series provides a deeper dive into issues impacting our members and our movement as part of AFT Connecticut's engagement and communications efforts. Welcome, sisters and brothers, to another episode of AFT in Action. My name is Jan Hockadell, your State Fed President, and your co-host once again for this latest episode. Today, we will be discussing a major concern that our educators are facing, and that is protecting educators' freedom to teach. Across the country, we are seeing restrictions on what educators can and cannot teach in schools. And some of this stems from deliberate miscommunication and misinformation. I have had many conversations about what's real in education with the two women that are joining me today as co-hosts. First, I would like to introduce Kate Diaz, who was recently elected as the president of the Connecticut Education Association, or CEA. And prior to that, Kate served as the president grievance chair, building representative, and bargaining team member for the Manchester Education Association. She has taught alternative education, math and science for 22 years, all in the Manchester Public Schools. And she has also taught as an adjunct professor at the Manchester Community College for six years. Kate, welcome. Thank you, Jan. I'm really looking forward to having this conversation today. It's so important for us to get up and stand up for our colleagues and really make sure that what we are talking about is how to best protect educators today, because there's one thing is for sure, we are under fire. Absolutely, and so glad you're here. And I would now like to introduce Fran Benowitz, who is the Executive Director of the Connecticut Association for Public School Superintendents, or CAPS, and has been since 2017. And prior to that, Fran served as the Deputy Commissioner for the State Department of Education and Superintendent of both Bridgeport and Hamden Public Schools. Welcome, Fran. Thank you, Jan. And I just want to say that um, I I have learned so much um, in the past months from, um, from both of you. So it's an honor to be on the panel. And of course, Senator Murphy is um, just a, um, a wonderful example of what's good in government. So um, I'm very pleased to be here today. Thank you both for joining me. And what is gonna be the first of two episodes on protecting educators' freedom to teach and focusing really on what's real in education. And as Fran mentioned, we are so fortunate to have with us one of our two US senators who has really been out there talking with our educators in Connecticut on this very issue. After serving in the US House representing Connecticut's fifth congressional district for six years, Senator Murphy was elected to the U.S. Senate in 2012. He currently chairs the Chamber's Appropriations Subcommittee on Homeland Security and the Foreign Relations Subcommittee on the Near East, South Asia, Central Asia, and Counterterrorism. Senator Murphy is also a member of the HELP Committee, which is the Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee. Senator, welcome, and we are so looking forward to this discussion with you. Well, I, I'm looking forward to discussion with all of you, but I mean, this is a pretty intimidating group. I'm not sure I have anything to add <laughs> between Jan, Fran, and Kate. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, tell, I'll fill in at the at the end of this. <laughs> great, great to be with you guys. 
<laughs> Senator Murphy, I do have to say, we know you're a graduate of the Weathersfield High School, AFT Local. Yes. You're also a graduate of UConn Law School, also supported by our members at UCP. So before we get into your work on the health committee, can you just share with our listeners, you know, what was it that made you choose to run for a public office? Thank you for pointing out that I'm a, a proud graduate of Connecticut uh, public schools, um, and I got my last degree from the University of Connecticut. My mother uh, was a teacher in the Weathersfield public school system uh, all uh, growing up, ended as a, an ESL teacher um, in Charles Wright uh, Elementary. Um, and my uh, wife works in education policy now, but started out as a uh, middle school French teacher in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So I'm uh, you know, surrounded by uh, great teachers, and I'm so blessed to you know have had a, a just fantastic experience in Connecticut's public schools. Um, and uh, you know, my interest in public service really dates from my time as a student uh, at Weathersfield High School. Um, I, I was um, a born organizer. Um, I, I just loved um, sort of creating communities uh, at the time of my friends. Uh, around things that we cared about. So that meant I was the organizer of the neighborhood touch football games. It also meant that when there were, you know, school policies that we wanted changed, I was the one who organized crowds to go down to the Board of Education and demand that the renovation project be speeded up so that we could play our senior year basketball games uh, uh, in the high school gymnasium before we were done. Uh, I just loved the power that came through organizing. Um, and my mother, uh, who grew up um, in public housing in New Britain, um, you know, uh, her family in and out of bankruptcy, um, told me that I shouldn't take for granted the fact that I grew up in a pretty economically secure household and that I needed to live my life in some way um, to try to give back, to try to make other people's lives better, to try to give other um, young boys and girls access to the apparatus of opportunity that she used to climb out of poverty. So I think for some of us, uh, it would be also helpful to know a little bit about how your work in the health, education, labor, and pension committee really kind of comes home to the teachers. How does that really kind of connect to the work that we're doing on a daily basis? Uh, you know, one of my former colleagues said, um, you know, you don't really care about the health committee unless you happen to care about health, <laughs> education, employment or pensions, right? <laughs> I mean, think of how important this committee is. I mean, it covers everything from healthcare to education, to your retirement, uh, to your employment. Uh, and so uh, it was um, it was not um, a hard decision to seek a position on the health committee as soon as I got elected to the Senate. Um, and it frankly wasn't coincidental um, to the time in which uh, my boys were starting their journey through school. Both of my kids are in public school. And um, I really feel you know, now more than ever that I need to be an advocate for them and for um, other kids. And I do that by sitting on the education committee. Um, I um, you know, came into politics during the era of No Child Left Behind. Um, and you know, I, I saw a lot of merit in the idea that we should expect more of our schools, but man, I heard just unending complaint from parents, from teachers, from kids about, you know, this um, just obsession with um, a specific kind of testing, um, uh, testing a specific set of skills 
um, uh, unable to be adapted state by state, district by district. Um, and so I wanted a seat on the health committee in part because I knew there was a chance that in my first term in the Senate, we would reform No Child Left Behind, that we would add some, some flexibility to the law, um, that we would try to work in some ability for local adaptation. And, um, I knew that would be good for my kids. Um, I knew that would be good for the teachers that I care so much about. My mother, I think at the time was still um, you know, uh, in the classrooms. The HELP Committee, um, I know does great work. What are the priorities right now for that HELP Committee? Fran, my, um, you know, my focus on this committee is frankly not on my kids, right? My, my, my focus is on the kids that you served in Bridgeport. I spent a Friday morning at a school you know well, Roosevelt Elementary School. Of course. Um, yeah, and you know, man, I mean, what a, what a wonderful community, what a group of committed educators, but what a challenge they face. Uh, with kids that are showing up with serious trauma um, without the advantages that my kids uh, have um, with not enough learning happening early in the early stages of life. And so I really feel like we have, um, you know, in Connecticut, more so than other places, but all across the country, this story of haves and have nots, the story of districts that have what they need, and the story of districts that have none of what they need. Yeah. In Bridgeport, they have, um, you know, uh, first grade classrooms with 28 kids and not a single paraprofessional. They've got three special education teachers for the entirety of that school. And Fran, you dealt with this. Um, you can only stretch a dollar so far. Yeah. And the fact that we are underfunding education writ large, but we are in particular underfunding urban education. Um, I just think is a moral stain on this nation. You just coordinated a roundtable um, discussion on CRT with our uh, Middletown teachers yep. and the administrators, the students, the parents. And I was just wondering if you could share your thoughts on, you know, why is it that these special interest groups are seeking to politicize the teaching of U.S. history and civics right now? It's no secret that we have a crowd of people in this country right now that want to divide us from each other, uh, that want us to, you know, sort of affiliate with our tribe uh, and view everybody else as uh, those to be feared. Um, they, they, they're, they're playing uh, a song that unfortunately um, is well known. Uh, many demagogues and demagogue, demagogic movements in the past have, you know, tried to divide us from each other. And that's what this focus on CRT is all about, to sort of make up this story that teachers are telling white kids that they should be ashamed of their race or ashamed of their background as part of the curriculum in schools. That is not happening. Yes. Are we teaching American history? Yes. Are there things in American history that we shouldn't be super proud of? Of course, but the story of America is that we're always getting better. The miracle of America is that we're, we never were perfect, we aren't perfect, but we are the one country in the world that, that does a self-evaluation continuously and commits to do better and better and better. That's the story of American history. That's something to be proud of. 
Um, and so, you know, this is part of a political agenda to try to make us fear each other. Senator, I, I appreciate what you're saying, because I think a lot of our educators are feeling the heat, if you will, um, on a deeply personal level. It comes down to there are times when there's parents in their classroom saying, I don't want my child here um, because you are teaching too uh, progressively. Um, I've been firsthand witness at a, several board of ed meetings that I was quite frankly, quite stunned at what people were so blatant in terms of, of their presentation of what they believed to be true um, and how unconcerned we were with what was actually true. And so I think one of the concerns facing our educators is the real divide in the community and how do you, how do you come back, I guess? How do we, how do we turn the boat and, and move in a different direction. Because I think at the end of the day, we still serve these communities. And if they're deeply divided, you know, what's, what's the plan for coming back? I think is kind of the next question. Yeah, I, listen, I think, the, I think it's gotta start um, you know, with not being dismissive of these parents and their concerns, right? I mean, I think, you know, a lot of us who know what's being taught in the classroom and know where this agenda comes from, you know, can risk, um, you know, being um, uh, being a bit cavalier about how we treat parents who are showing up with concerns about their kids, right? We, we all come from the same place, right? We, 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 we care about our kids, right? We're in, we're in that board of education meeting because we want um, our schools to do well for our kids. And so, I think it involves just spending the time with these parents to really listen, right? To not just stand there and say, you're crazy. I don't know where you hear that from. That's not being taught in our schools. You know, you can't do that. You gotta ask people, okay, well, what are, you, what are you worried about, right? Tell me the sort of foundation of that fear. Um, okay, let me tell you what's really happening in the schools. Um, but tell me how you think it can change. How can we make it better, right? Um, I, I think we've got we've to sort of open ourselves up for that conversation. And I've made the same recommendation on vaccines, right? You, you can't just shut people's concerns out on vaccines. You've got to listen to them, right? You, you've you've, you've got to be understanding of where people are coming from, where their skepticism comes from, um, and, and talk to people where they live. Um, so I think that's where we, that's, that's, that's where we start. You know, it's interesting you say that because one of the, our focus as the three of us have kind of processed this together is emphasizing that concept of what's real. Like, okay, let's boil this down. Let's talk about where you're at, where I'm at and what's real. So it's, I think that that's a, a common um, mindset that we need to kind of move to. So let me, I mean, so often, um, you know, I work a lot on the issue of, of another controversial issue, um, uh, the issue of guns. And I will often say to somebody who sort of confronts me um, on this issue um, to tell me what they think we should do on the issue of background checks, right? And what they will normally articulate for me is my position, right? They will say, well, here's what I think that we should have a background check for every you know, gun that's, that's sold, right? And so on this issue, I mean, it's sometimes interesting to just say, listen, you, let, let's, let's take the issue of race or the issue of America's history of slavery, how do you think we should teach it, right? And I think more often than not, the parents that are sort of showing up believing that CRT is being taught in our schools may articulate a vision of pedagogy that is not 
unfamiliar to what is actually being taught. So, um, you know, sometimes that's a way to open up this conversation. We know that you are out there having the conversations. How can we engage other elected leaders to help educators in Connecticut to demystify what's actually, you know, real in education? Asking legislators to do something they're totally unfamiliar with, dedicating a whole day to one thing. So mm-hmm. asking state legislators <laughs> and members of Congress to spend a whole day in a school, right? What I find in this job is that, man, we ping pong from issue to issue to issue. Just sort of, you know, look at my day today. I was talking, I'm talking to you about education policy right before I was talking about tobacco policy. And next I'm going to be, you know, talking about something totally different. I think, you know, asking, you know, legislators at the state and local level to, you know, come in and spend the day in a school, right? Spend the time sort of flying the wall, watching education happen, sit down for a while and talk to the social worker, talk to the uh, principal, Um, you know, just to spend a little time trying to immerse yourself in what, you know, life is like uh, right now inside our schools. And I think you'll find two things. One, the the rumors about the, the, the politics creeping into the classroom are not true. Um, but two, you'll find um, teachers and administrators um, in a little bit of trouble right now. I mean, you're going to find, um, you know, uh, folks that need some real help. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that that will grow their sympathy, not just for um, setting the record straight about what's happening, but uh, getting some resources into the into the classrooms to help at this at this moment, um, a moment when kids are coming back after the pandemic with um, you know, just a a set of things on their shoulders that um, you know we, we didn't see prior to the pandemic. So that, that would be my, my suggestion. Thank you so much you know, for joining us as our special guest, but also for answering our members' questions and for just your advocacy um, in education right now, and especially with the freedom to teach. We thank you so much. Thanks, Paul. Thank you to Kate and Fran for co-hosting with me and engaging in this discussion with Senator Murphy and for all the solidarity, the collaboration, and really just trying to tell the real story of what's happening in public education. Thank you, um, Jan. This has really been a positive experience working together. Our collaboration is so important in terms of moving this issue forward, really prioritizing teachers' welfare and this and all of our educators, um, including our, our superintendents and principals. And so I think this is a really powerful time for us. I just want to say thank you to um, um, AFT and CEA for including um, the superintendents. I, I can't tell you how much this um, collaboration has met, meant to me and, um, and to my fellow superintendents. We'd really like to continue having this discussion on this topic, the freedom to teach, what's real in education, and how special interest groups are trying to score political points over the so-called critical race theory here in Connecticut. We want to hear from you especially our members in social studies and in civics classrooms, please contact us. Send comments by email to actnetreply at aftct.org. That's A-C-T-N-E-T-R-E-P-L-Y at sign aftct.org. Or you can leave us a voice message by dialing 860-257-9782 and asking for extension 116. That's 860-257-9782, extension 116. Thank you for listening and for all you do.
That's a wrap for this latest edition of AFT in Action. Additional episodes are available at our Podbean page and social media channels, all of which can be found at aftct.org. Like what you heard? Then share with fellow members and encourage they give it a listen too, and help build the power of the UNI in union.